Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Barefoot Buttons. They're the Barefoot Buttons of Buttons. They want you to know about the Barefoot Button Tall Boy Button. It's tall. It's a boy. Yeehaw. It'll, it'll make your uh, it'll make your short pedals tall. It'll make your tall pedals taller. That's really all you need to know about it. If you've got a pedal that's in a really tight space where maybe it's wedged in there and the regular barefoot button just doesn't get your switch high enough, right. the tall boy is the uh, product for you. Say you've got, say you're like me, you've got a uh, an electro harmonics pitchfork that's a pretty short pedal, and then I'd like to put it next to pedals that happen to be tall. A tall boy helps me out a lot. I've actually got one of these on my board on my pitchfork. It really helps out, helps uh, raise up the switch so that I'm not fumbling around to get in there at it. I don't have to concentrate on my pedal board while I'm playing my show, jumping around the stage. I can just throw my foot at it. I can take my shoe and throw it across the room and hit this thing. I, that's how big of a target it makes your switch. So uh, you don't have to worry anymore. Play, you know, tap dancing. You're not, you're not Fred Astaire, you know. Stop trying to tap dance on your pedal board. Get a barefoot button. You know, make it a bigger target what i'm saying this episode is also brought to you by string joy you can learn more about string joy at stringjoy.com but what you really need to know is that they make custom sets of strings what's that nine is too skinny ten is too thick they've got nine and a half yep ten is too skinny eleven is too thick they've got ten and a half they've got a huge range of String gauges available. The lightest string they sell is a seven. The heaviest string they sell for electric guitar is a ninety. That's like telephone cable. Yeah. Uh, when you order strings from them, they will put together this set just for you right after you order, which means the strings that arrive on your doorstep uh, haven't been gathering dust in a warehouse. Warehouse. They're just a couple weeks old. Right. Um, they just they have a lot of features. Uh, they make their strings at their own factory. That's impressive. Uh, in the U.S., so they're not one of these companies that is just buying strings from someone else and sell them to you with their own name on it. Mm-hmm. They actually make their own strings. Um, but yeah, go to stringjoy.com to learn more. Tell them Sixty Cycle Hum sent you. Yeah, I mean actual custom sets of strings. Can you imagine? It's pretty incredible. <laughs> Christian from Adventure Audio, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcasts. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Steve. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm drinking this New English ESB. I'm drinking it too. This is our our beer for the episode. Yeah, this is uh this is one of my favorite beers. Is it really? Yeah. You know, I it's a beer that I very much enjoy from New English. Uh. Usually I go there for the dark stouts, and this is on the uh, the crisper, cleaner side. Yeah, but I still really appreciate the flavors of it. It's got like a nice kind of like caramel aftertaste going on. I've never really understood. I mean, I've never looked a super heavy into it, um, but I've never quite understood why they're called extra special bitters. Uh huh. Like, is I- there a less special bitter? Is what you're asking? I guess like that's what I that's what I've never really um, understood. Uh, I guess maybe it's supposed to be like stronger. Maybe. Um, I guess it's, a, it's probably a, just a sales term that someone came up with at some time. So an extra special bitter is a strength of four point eight percent or higher, and it's a bitter, which mm. is apparently an English term for pale ale. So apparently this is a pale ale. All I know is I've always liked it. It's it's very good. I'll say that. It's not very pale. Uh, no, it's, it's kind of a... Um, it's past golden brown. It's kind of like the same color that I describe as like a, uh, a Newcastle. Kind of that medium kind of golden dark. You know? I don't know. How do you, how would you describe that? Uh, I w- it's almost like an amber color. Yeah, it's amber. It's maybe kind of reddish. Dark, maybe a dark amber. I don't know. Does the color really matter? I'm enjoying drinking it. I like the taste. I like the way it makes me feel. What else do I have to say about That's it? really all you need to know. So what's new with you, Steve? Um, well, what's new is we are, uh, I guess, as of the publishing of this episode, we've complete, we have completed the first two Sundays 
of uh, 60 Cycle Hum Fantasy Football, 60 Cycle Hut. Oh, great. Uh, we are being sponsored again by Coast Sonic. Nice. Uh, so thanks to Jody for that. If you are looking to buy a boutique guitar pedal, head over to CoastSonic.com. Check out what they've got over there. Uh, they're, Jody's really gracious to work with us again on this. We do a little... Uh, a little sponsor trade and everything, and, and uh, basically he throws a little cash into the pool is the way it works out. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to do it. Last year, um, the as the show, we got to uh, demo the Alexander Pedals Golden Summer uh-huh. and the Ren and Cuff Box of War. Now, who won the prize last year, Steve? Uh, Adam Dolhanik won the Ren and Cuff Box of War. Who won the main prize, <laughs> Steve? Uh, I won... The uh, Alexander Pedals Golden Summer. Okay, so you ran this whole thing and then you won. You don't think that's at all a, a little uh, suspicious? This, you, you don't even. You're not even in this league. There's already <laughs> in, this, in this league. I'm not in any league, Steve. There, there are uh, there are people. Let's just say that these uh, these concerns have been raised before. <laughs> um, and all I can say about it is, suck it, guys. <laughs> I don't know, man. We got we had guys this year who were like, if you auto draft, you shouldn't be eligible to win. And uh, I don't know what so, that means. So we all got together online at the same time in this draft room. It's like all getting together in like a tr- in a chat room, basically, okay. where we pick our players. But the players are all pre ranked by ESPN, so you can um, just set to auto draft, and then what auto draft does is. Um, it just picks the next available best player oh. that fills a position on your board, right? Uh, that's basically how it works. So that's the way I would play if I did it. Right, right. Because uh, I'd have no idea. Exactly. So if you don't do any research, you can just auto-draft. Or even if you're not auto-drafting, like if you want to be involved in the chat or whatever, like you can still do that. So somebody kept throwing out the idea, like if you auto-drafted, you shouldn't be eligible to win. And I'm like, no, man. If you can't beat an auto drafter, then you're just not very good at this. I have no idea. It sounds like the best plan in my book. It could be. It could be. Anyway, do um, auto drafters often win? I don't know. It's just it's all random. And the thing is, is like between now and the end of the season, I'm probably gonna make another. Let's see, we got 14 weeks left, so I'm probably gonna make at least another 20 trades. So or or player swaps. So right, it doesn't right. matter. Gotcha. Like, That's just how you start. Yeah, it's just how you start. Yeah. You've got your fantasy uh, feet on your balls team going on here. Yep. Uh, I in my in my life lately, uh, my new thing is that I'm trying to sell my hammer. I finally got into the place where I'm like, I'm really just not playing this guitar. Um, it's taking up a bunch of space. I love it. I think it's a great playing guitar, and I talk about it often as a great playing guitar. And they're great budget guitars. They're gr- very affordable. I'm just like, this is taking up. You know, guitar rack space is taking up space on my wall when I hang it on the wall. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm using my SG as my double humbucker for most part. Right. I know I've told this to you before. I think the reason that you've run out of space for guitars is because you're using a guitar rack. I've bought more wall hangers, and I'm still looking at it like I want to. I actually want to get. I want to pull the guitar rack off the floor because it. I need more floor space, basically. Right, but I'm saying, like, so your guitar rack holds, like, five guitars, right? Right. But in the space that your guitar rack takes up, you could probably fit, like, seven or eight guitars. How? Because your guitar rack is wider, and you've got this arms in between, but if all your guitars were in gig bags, they'd just be basically Oh, the size if you of want me to just case them. Yeah. I got a closet, closet full of cases. Yeah, I could case everything. But it's also just, like... I've got too many guitars. I I'm not. I don't want to have an. I don't want to be like Blake Wyland where I keep everything. <laughs> I don't want to keep everything. And part of you know our, our culture, you and me, is is selling stuff. But are you flipping this guitar? Or are you just. I am not. I'd be it. taking a loss. But it in my book, I overpaid for this thing when I bought it, so I'm never gonna be able to sell it for what I got, what I paid for it. Also, uh, I got a lot of good use out of this guitar. That's true. I feel like I got a, a sincere playing investment out of it. Right. I'll say that. Um, do you do you think you will? So with the with the SG, or is that your double humbucker and you're done? You think I you're think gonna for look, now? 
do I have any other humbucker guitars right now? I mean, I've got the the pickups that I the pickguard that I can swap into the Cower. Right. Well, it's not a Cower; it's a Titan. The Titan by Cower. Yeah, that's different. Which is a great guitar, by the way. You, have you had a chance to play it yet? No, I haven't. You didn't play it at my party. Nope. Okay. Uh, when you gotta let me know. We'll next talk time. about your party later yeah. in the episode. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Sixty Cycle Slum to talk about my party first. Um, next time you play guitar at church, let's make sure you get it so you can play with it. I think okay. I think you're really gonna enjoy this guitar. It's really fun. I think it's right up your alley. That probably won't be until October. Well, that's coming but... up. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great guitar. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing a demo of it. I don't know when I'm going to get that done, but someday. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a long time to get the uh, the little stinker done, and it really just comes down to I'm doing like animation intros for these. Right. So I've got to do that part, and then actually doing a guitar demo takes quite a while. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Sorry, Doug. I'll get it done eventually. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, I'm willing to say that the uh, the Titan is a fantastic guitar and well worth its money. So cool. That's my take on it. Um. So yeah. So the Hamer. W- would you buy another like Mik Hamer down the road? If I needed it for sure. I've actually thought about picking up like selling this one before and then picking up uh, basically the same body model but gold top with P90. Oh okay. Um. That'd be cool. That would be cool. I I just. I really enjoy Hamers, and I think they play great. What I'm thinking now is that years down the road, maybe I'll buy a USA Hamer mm. because they don't they don't make them anymore. Yeah, but buy a, a used one and have that be like my my really nice like double humbucker guitar or something. Cool. Or get like a crazy um, checkerboard cheap trick style one, or something. I don't know, but yeah, I still love Hamers. I'm sad that I'm in a way sad that I'm selling my last Hamer. I've got the slammer base. But slammer doesn't come on. It it's, doesn't, not a, it's not a hammer. It's a it, slammer. It doesn't count. Uh, but I still enjoy that one. But it's like I think I think they're great guitars. And I'm a little sad that I'm at this place in my life, but I kind of just got to do it. You yeah. Know? And there's yeah. other guitars that are kind of looking at with a side eye, like ah, oh, you might be next. Mm. I'm also gonna sell some fuzz pedals. <laughs> I just did that fuzz shootout, which I've been planning for a while. Right. Because I've got all these fuzz pedals. I think there was 15 pedals in that in that demo that I did. Yeah, but no Fox Tone Machine. Yeah, you've got the Fox Tone Machine. <laughs> um, I've got three of my own personal pedals on the chopping block and one of our demo units mm. that I'll have to talk to you about on the chopping block. What a... And still that leaves me with 11, 11 fuzz pedals over here, which is what, ridiculous. What guitars... Um, do you think you'd be trying to sell? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'd like to get rid of an acoustic, but I can't decide which one. Do you only you have the honer? I have two honers and I have the tailor. Oh, you have two honers. Yeah. I only think I knew about. I don't know if I knew about the second one. I only know the gold one. The spruce. Or the maple. Is the spruce. it spruce? Is yeah. it all spruce? Yeah. That thing's weird. You think that thing's weird? Well, it just looks weird. <laughs> that used to—that was the style when I bought that. The all spruce no, acoustics. No, I know. I know. Um, I didn't realize you had a second one. It's the, my very first guitar that I got from my mom. Oh, okay. And I barely—I barely play acoustic at all. Anyway, right. So, but then it's like, do I get rid of the one that's my very first that I got from my mom, or do I get rid of the one that I barely use but still use more than the other one? That's got broken electronics in it. And I'm not going to get rid of the the baby tailor because that's so darn convenient for travel yeah. and stuff. I actually travel with it. Like if we go on like camping or a road trip, I, right. I take it. Yeah. I actually take it. So I'm not getting rid of that. It was also a gift for my wife. So I'm not getting rid of it for the, in that mm-hmm. respect. Um, yeah. I, and then I've got others that sit around. Like I've got this flying V project out here that I'm, mm-hmm. who knows when I'll finish it. And then I've got others that I've got a neck I wanted to build a body for. And, you know, so. Right. I've got that uh, Ibanez Roadstar project still. You've got a lot of project guitars. Uh, I forgot that. I Sometimes I forget about that project. Um, I bought that Miltone, I don't know, a while ago. That was that Filipino guitar. Uh-huh. And now I'm thinking I may just pull the pickups out of it and like... We're, we've been talking about doing some uh, like a retirement destroy smash destroy yeah. kind of stuff. But, or How just, much did you I pay for that thing? Forty bucks. Yeah, let's retire so, it. 
we may retire that guy. Uh, I may take off whatever parts I want to scrap, which was probably just or want to retain, uh, which would definitely be the pickups because they're super microphonic. I think that could be a really cool thing for the right guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, you you take one of those and you throw them in the middle position of like a funky strat. Yeah, you know the position you never use anyways. So right. It's like when you want that microphonic, it's just there. It might be like a dumb enough thing. Oh man, I could probably clip the wings off of it and glue. Do I want to do this? I Ooh, I don't know where you're going with this. Like use some kind of double sided tape or some kind of and like glue it putty. to something. So it's just there's a put microphone. It, put it on the inside of the pit guard on the radiator. Oh, and then just there might be enough space in that that you don't need to clip the wings off of it. Nah, and I then doubt like it. and then put like a momentary switch on it or something like that. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I don't know. That's a that's a pretty ambitious project for a guy that doesn't really. I mean, it's gonna for that radiator. It takes like half an hour just to pull the pit guard off. Yeah, there's like 38 screws or something on that thing. I imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, it, you know, we're, it's the the downside. I mean, this is a humble... I, I guess. Okay, here's the question: the going the opposite direction. What are the guitars that you think you would never sell? I never want to sell the Hallmark. Okay. I kind of I never want to sell the little stinker or the Titan. Right. Um, and that has little to do with them being uh, guitars that were sent to us to demo and cover, and more to do with how great they play mm-hmm. and the fact that you know at this point Paul and Doug are our friends. Like these right. are guitars that our friends made. Like mm-hmm. I can't sell a guitar my friends made. I could. <laughs> But those are those are my list of like guitars I can't ever sell. I I probably will never sell my Strat, even though I could totally go buy a better Strat. But it's mm-hmm. just like that's my Strat. Yeah. Um. I I'd, I'd really love to say that I'll never sell my Duosonic. Um. I'd love that for that to be like my f- kid's first guitar mm-hmm. or like have projects for it. Um. My wife doesn't want me to sell the Explorer. Oh, okay. That was actually the one I was. Yeah. curious about but i don't actually play it very often i need to play it more i just need to play it out more um the airline i feel like i could potentially sell that just because the hallmark kind of covers that ground in my life and i don't actually need a backup mm-hmm. for the most part but i actually really i really it's t- i want to keep everything as a problem like right. the, the hammer and the acoustics are definitely the ones where i'm like i'm not using these well, and that's and the then whole, the SG. I love the SG, and it's like, that's the whole issue with like the Miltone is it's actually beat up. It's probably only worth forty bucks. And I right. feel like I would like to pull the pickups and pull off whatever. I mean, the bridge, the tailpiece are both made out of like slug, like iron. Right. Um, you should see what you can get for scrap metal. Like not not slug iron. Pig, they're like was it pig iron? Right. Right. Um, you know, stuff like that. So it's not like it's, it's not even a guitar. If I list it for 40 bucks on Craigslist, I don't know if I could get it. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, but I think the pickups in it are really cool. I'm kind of sad that I never actually went through and, and tried to complete it as a project because really I think all it needed was a shim and maybe I should do that first is do the next shim. But I think at this point, like it's been sitting next to my vacuum for like a year right in the closet and I think my kids have had more playing time on it. No, my kids have definitely had more playing time on it than I have. Right. Um, and like, yeah, so that's, that's the one that I'm definitely, and I've had my Les Paul Jr. up for sale for a while. My, uh, the Epiphone Les Paul Jr. with P90, which means it's ultra rare. And I'm surprised I haven't been able to get $110 for it. Huh. But that's a bummer. I may let it go down. I may, I think I bought it for 74 70 or 80 bucks maybe 80 i don't remember so i may just cut my losses um i didn't get a ton of play out of it but at this point it's like it's it's probably serving the same purpose in my life as the hammer for you though i don't have another p90 guitar i definitely feel like well we've got the titan if i right I, i feel like if i wanted a p90 guitar like i i owned the uh Squire Telecaster Custom 2, which Adam now owns. Adam no, Powell? 
he did own it. I think I sold it. Oh, that it for was him. A, that black P90 yeah, Telecaster. I think, yeah. Did I sell that for him? I may have sold it for him. I don't yeah. remember. I don't think he has it anymore. Um, but anyway, he, uh, I had that guitar and um, I definitely like, I understand the whole thing with like a single P90. Um, but I think in the long run, I would have been, ha- I was happier with like a dual P90 guitar. And in the future, if I want P90s, like I just need like a nicer P90 guitar. Right. And I could also, I could really even like to get to that end, I could see myself taking that PV generation and dropping a set of Porter T- yeah. T9s in it or That'll whatever they nice. call T90 pickups in it. Uh, though I know the big push from the the Humcast group is EMGs. EMGs, great. Uh, so... <laughs> We'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's got a huge control cavity in it, so it's basically already set up for EMGs. EMGs. <laughs> it's tough to think about selling guitars. I've got that that big red guitar, which is like one of my main guitars in right. B. But it's like I've completely been cannibalizing that thing for years. So it's not even playable at this point. Yeah. I thought about... And the neck... That's, I, a, that's a guitar that like might be worth retiring i can't ever sell that thing though because it's worthless no like, i think no. i pay i think i pay like a hundred bucks for that thing yeah. and, and and a lot of ways i feel like this sounds counterintuitive to like this the show to be like so reminiscent i mean it drives me nuts that like i can't bring myself to sell my strat right uh one because i paid a hundred dollars for it and two because I paid a hundred dollars for it. It's the MIJ, I right? Mean, it plays great. It's a Fender MIJ Strat. I paid a hundred dollars for it, which means it's got some weird. It's got some funky to it, but I could definitely. I think I could get. That's th- a player Strat. I think man. I could get two fifty for it really easily. I think I could get three hundred for it if I really pushed. Um, if I wanted to be, if I wanted to be honest about buying a Strat that I knew that I would play, I'd buy that Strat over like an MIA right now. That's I know a, that that's a player strat. That guitar was dangerous for you. Every time Very I, every time I let you play it in like band practices, we wouldn't get anything done cuz you'd just be freaking noodling yeah, the whole time. Noodle central on that thing. That's a great guitar. Um yeah, I think with Big Red, I I can't ever sell that thing. If I do anything with it, I'm just going to like I think about putting a like putting a regular like a different a better neck on it. If it would even take a regular neck, I don't even know what the neck joint size is on that thing. Right. And then, like, attacking it with a router and having it be our pickup testing guitar. Yeah. Because it would make a good it's pickup It's a plywood tester. body? It is. And uh, it's for, already... For that glue tone. For that glue tone. But, you know, it'd be... Like, I saw that concept online earlier this week where a pick guard that you clamp in and out... And the mm-hmm. bottom side of the guitar is routed out, so the pickguard just slides out. Yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. That would actually. work. That would work out well for Big Red, and it's funky looking enough that no one would be like, "Oh, well, that's not like my Strat," because yeah. it's not like anybody's guitar. Well, you know? that's because it's a copy of a Fender lead too. Right, right. And then also destroying it would not destroying it, but heavily modifying that. Well, like that would give me permission to buy a Fender lead too someday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We should get into the ads. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about just our normal stuff for a while now. All right. Uh, this was sent in by Joshua Fitzgerald. He's engaged to be wed. Is he? This is a BC Rich Warlock and Mockingbird. Oh, it's a set. Ooh. There's two of them. And that oh. price, I believe, is for both of them. When I first saw that price, I was like, oh, that's ambitious. But now that I know it's for both, I'm like, yeah, maybe. You think it's for both? I think so, because it says BC Rich, Warlock, and Mockingbird, two in parentheses, acoustic, electric, thin line guitars, 650. Did we mention that these are acoustic, electric, thin line guitars? Everything there is plural, right? and then there's one price for it. The Warlock and Mockingbird are in excellent condition. These guitars are extremely hard to find now. They've been stored in climate-controlled, smoke-free environment. They are set up with Martin Phosphor bronze lights. The action is incredible on both, and they sound fantastic. Also included is a new coffin case for the Warlock only. As shown in the photos, case was purchased brand new for 200 and is in like new condition. Please note, the Mockingbird does not come with a case. So you think 650 So he's basically asking 450 for these two guitars. And 
Because it sounds like he's basically asking for full value for that coffin case. I think he just wants to get rid of all of them together. Like he's not parting out. the Well, case. right, right. But I'm saying in terms of like how he's this saying what was that like... case is worth. I don't know what these things were worth new, but yeah, I thought 650 was ambitious for one. Is my gut instinct? Um, I don't, I don't hate these guitars. They're definitely not my style, but I don't hate them. What does that mean? Like, would I? I feel like I might play the warlock. Would I play the Warlock, Steve? Would I play that acoustic Warlock? Well, so the, one of the issues with these from a playing standpoint is that they are thin line acoustics. And thin line acoustics in general, my experience has been that they all suck. Well, yeah, they're just, they're only meant to be plugged in. You, you're never going to play around a campfire with one of these. So in turn, you know, you ask the question, would you play one of these? And I mean, I guess I could see you playing one of these in a I mean, weird it, way. Let's talk about what situations these guitars are for. The only reason these guitars exist is if you're in a metal band that has a ballad song. Yeah, and you every know? metal band needs a ballad song. Every metal, every metal band needs a ballad. And so that's what these are for is so that your lead guitarist doesn't have to bust out a, like a, you know, his jumbo Les Paul. Not jumbo Les Paul, his jumbo Gibson. Mm-hmm. You know, his grand well, concert got, or you whatever. you got to keep it metal. He's got to keep that metal look. You know, I'm looking at this and I'm not seeing a ton of these. I guess that's a very, it's a slightly different model, but I don't know. I'm seeing some of these pushing like four, two, three, four hundred dollars I'm seeing it's a package deal, man. This guy's just trying to move them. He's got two. Like, who owns two of these things is my question. So it means one of these was a backup for him. No. He bought one. He's like, I got to have another as a backup. Of course. You don't have a backup? So he's trying to get rid of them all at the same time. Um, I don't know. I feel conflicted. I feel like I kind of would use that. You, and you think you'd play the Warlock? I See, I think I would. I could see you with the Mockingbird maybe a little more. The Which war- one would you choose, Steve? I think I would choose the Warlock. Really? You think you're or the not warlock. the Warlock, the Mockingbird? Uh, see, we can split the set. Yeah. Steve, let's split the set. All right. So I'm 325. You're 325. What do we do? Oh, I guess the Warlock gets the case. So yeah. Since the Warlock gets the case, I think it should be uh, 400 and 250. I think that sounds fair. Although, it's or maybe less three, exciting. maybe 350. Let's and, agree. 350 to, and 300. Let's agree to sell the case and we'll get gig bags. Okay. Split the split, whatever we sell. The case yeah. For. Yeah. Okay. We're going to split this, Steve. <laughs> where All is right. this even? All right. Uh, where part of the world is Probably this? Probably Pennsylvania. Yeah. We're not getting these. This reminds me of that time that there was an ad up went back when we were in uh, your favorite band together. Oh my gosh. There was the ad up for those uh, Steinbrenner mm-hmm. copies. Is that how you say it? Stein Steinberger. Steinberger copies, or they were like the the. Did you uh, say Steinbrenner copies? I can't remember the the uh, the licensed versions of them and the, a matching bass and guitar, mm-hmm. both in red. Yeah. And I was like, we would, this would be our new look if we got this for our band. But, and we never did it. We never did because. But if they were white, we definitely would. If have. they had been white, but red would have looked sharp against our white clothes. Well, too. you didn't suggest that at the time. So. I know it would have looked so freaking eighties. Would have been. Incredible. And we weren't married, so we had the money. We did have money back then. We could have spent money. Were on... we married? I don't remember. But it would have. I think you were seriously dating. It would have just come out of the band fund. Yeah. I mean, we totally bought Adam, we bought Adam drums. Why didn't we yeah. buy ourselves headless guitars and basses? I don't know, man. Would have, should have, could have done it. And then we'd be here talking about how we are thinking about selling our headless guitars and basses. Yeah. All right. (laughs) This is a Brownsville Choir Boy, semi-hollow, seafoam green. $200 in Bartlett, Tennessee. Bartlett? I don't know anything about Bartlett. What was that? I don't know. (laughs) Up for sale is a used Brownsville Choir Boy, thin, semi-hollow body, excellent condition. What if we started doing voices like other podcasts do? We used to. What voice did we do? We did a bot. You used to do the moon voice. Moon voice. That's right. That was like a two-time thing. I used to try to do southern accents all the time. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, Financing available. Free layaway. (laughs) We take trade-ins. Revolve guitar. This is at a guitar shop. They're asking $199 for this. I actually, I looked this up. Um... And I don't remember if I told this to Chris because I know he really wanted it and his wife was like, 
oh uh, yeah yeah that's cool and i think she was like into it because she's also uh-huh a um musician a guitar player and uh I think these actually sell for a decent amount of money. Like I think I remember when these came out and you Oh, here's a having Brown, a big old boner for them. Here's a Brownsville Choir Boy 6 for 150, so that's not too great, Ooh. but here's another one for um 244. Um one went for 275. One went for $25. It looks like it was broken. Yeah, but I remember One you CC3. like really looking at these and really like thinking about them because they've got those funky pickups. Yeah, there were there was there was one model. I mean, I there was they had this base that I just never been able to find. And um, you described that to me. I, I tried to find it and I could I can't find it. Anymore. I mean, maybe it's a different brand that just sounds like Brownsville. I don't know. I finished my beer. Um but welcome to the club. I'm in the finished beer club. Yeah, I, I even this one actually I don't think it looks too bad. No, this looks good. I think it's very attractive. I you know, if I'd preferred if there was a little bit of pick guard on there to break it up and then I'd probably weigh into it. Um but just, I, it's a very attractive guitar. Just put your own pick guard on. And there. these, you know, they didn't sell for a lot new either. Yeah, they, they I think they, they're probably 300 they were always kind of like in new. that budget range mm-hmm. uh so it's good that they've kind of held in that range i just think it's interesting and i think those pickups are are wild they're called toasters right because they look like toasters you look like you put toast in them if you wanted yeah they're definitely if they're not toasters or that style right uh but did brownsville actually outright call their pickups toasters i don't know but it's is this one of those companies like you never see them around anymore? I don't even. They think made they something exist really anymore. interesting. Yeah, they and now they're gone. I think this is a company that if they came out now, uh, they might be able to get some traction. But right. at the time when they were trying to make their thing, they're tr- doing this whole like Gretsch throwback at a time right. when Gretsch wasn't really a thing that people wanted. Yeah, if they came out with this now, put a little bit of a tasteful pit guard on there, and threw a Bigsby on there, like. The praise and worship crowd would go kind of nutty for these, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of floating in that kind of Duesenberg sort of aesthetic. I think I think they're neat. Maybe we should push these and, and use our, our uh, clout as major uh, guitar media personalities to make these the new thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Are we any of those things? No. Are we major or personalities? We're personalities. I'm not saying that we have, are we media. I'm saying I'm not saying that we're good person. We have good personalities. We are definitely media. If there's anything that we are, Steve, we are media. Okay. We go to Nam on ne- on media badges. That makes you media on on air personalities. As <laughs> we get we get media badges as on air personalities. Right. So that's what we are, Steve. We're on air personalities. I've got nothing else left to say about this. Should we try to tackle the topic? I thought we have one more ad. Do we? Oh, we do. Yeah, Pedal Locomotive Junior. Choo choo. 2016 Matt Black, hand built. If you're looking to save a bunch of cash, as I was when I built this, here's a far more affordable pedal train alternative. Based on the Pedal Train Junior, this board has nearly identical specs. However, this board is perhaps even sturdier as it is across the port in the middle. Yeah, but it's made out of wood. <laughs> yeah, there's no possible on way it's sturdier. On the back end, it is a bit taller than the original as to fit a Voodoo Labs pedal power underneath on the super glued Velcro. So you're gonna velcro the pedal power. Okay. Anyway, this guy's asking forty bucks, um, plus twenty five dollars shipping. This is on Reverb. I gotta tell you, sixty five oh, bucks. Uh, this who is this sent in by? Hold on a second, Matthew Dunn. Thank you, Matthew. What can you get a pedal train junior for? Um, I bought my pedal train junior for sixty five bucks. What? I think that was including no that what. It was I mean, used, right? It was used. I bought it from the gear page. I don't remember if that included shipping or not. It may have not included. It may actually. It may have included shipping. That came with the bag. I mean, I hate to. I hate to say it, but buy a pedal train junior. Don't buy this. Yeah. Like or the, if this was forty dollars in front of me, I'd still be like, nah, dude. It's got to be twenty. Well, so here's the thing, right? Now this has like this. He's touting the center support. 
And I will say that, like, I don't have the woodworking ability to make angled, uh, sure. like, three matching angled pieces of wood like this. However, uh, I will say that this is basically, like, my gorm board I built yeah. in terms of size. And I cut that down. I could have had, like, a PT2, possibly even a PT3-sized board right. out of the single gorm that I bought. And that single gorm... Um, was like uh, basically eight bucks. Yeah. Like, because you get two of them in a pack and they're like 15 bucks a pack or whatever. I think, I don't, I think the Gorm is discontinued. Now it's like the, the hen or something like that is the new one that's replaced it, but it's the same idea and you can cut it down to wherever you want. Um, there's not a center support like this one, but. The wood is sturdy enough. I've you know put, why this thing has a center support? Because he built it without it, and it was wobbly as hell. And it's right. like, I've got to fix this thing. Well, that has to do with the way uh, the way the slats are connected to the supports. Right. Because with the Gorm, um, they're kind of like wedged, like the, the supports are lipped. Right. So it's actually really stable. Oh, I bet. Um, and then when I decided to put an angle on it, all I did was I basically attached like a three, or I attached... Well, what I attached is one of the Gorm slats. Uh-huh. Just I took it off of the second Gorm that I had, made it fit, and attached it to the front. So it's like a, I don't know, a two inch or so uh, wide slat attached to the front. So it's connected to the whole thing. Raised it up the angle that I wanted it to be raised up, and it's freaking great. Um, here's the question I have about that though, like. <laughs> After you made it angled with the with the slat behind it, how long until you got a cease and desist in the mail from from the pedal choo choo? Well, since I'm not manufacturing them for sale, uh, I it took not, three weeks. I have not received anything. <laughs> that being said, like all I'm saying is that pedal boards are everywhere. Yeah, and what I mean by pedal boards are everywhere, what I'm is that when you go to Home Depot and you see, oh, this is a tool rack? No, it's a pedal that's board. That's a pedal board now. Oh. I've got a pedal board that's made out of a uh, of a tool chest yeah. from Harbor Freight. I mean, again, like I've got an IKEA shelf as a pedal board. Right. And this table we're at right now could be a pedal board. A very large one. A very large pedal uh, board. And, and you know, I don't I don't know, like it's a thing that holds a pedal board at the end of the day is a thing that holds the things that you step on. Right. Um, if you want something nice because you'd like to look at the things that you step on and you want to like looking at the thing that holds the things that you step on, then by all means, like go out and, and spend more money on a board. If you want something ultra functional, then, you know, Pedal Train is an option for that. Temple Audio is an option for that. Uh-huh. Holy Boards is an option for that. Um, there's I mean, let's there's talk one that there's there's a, you know all these different ones that came out. Or just go to friggin' IKEA. Like yeah, I got I mean, mine. You can buy, it's wood. I yeah. sprayed it. I spray painted it black. So it even kind of like from a distance, you might mistake it for Pedal Train. You can you can buy Pedal Train knockoffs made out of aluminum from China on various places online. Like you don't. You can yeah, get them made out I'm of metal. I'm pretty sure Alibaba and DHGate have those. Uh, yeah. Joy will make some. You don't have to buy this guy's $65 garage project, which I'm sure is very nice and very stable. He built it just fine, and it looks oh, yeah, it looks good. it looks very clean. But for $65, you can just get the pedal train version used. So why would you buy his used thing when you can get the regular thing used? I would just say that the biggest advantage to buying a pedal board over um building your own is size standardization oh totally because sometimes the case the like if you want like a soft case they're hard to come by right even if you want like a hard case it, it can be kind of tricky to to come by um so that i mean that's the biggest advantage but i don't know it, that that's also kind of like the same reason initially that when i made the gorm board i did it to pt junior spec because then you well, can get a case I, for it. I figured if I could get a PT Junior case, like I just have to find one on eBay. I ended up finding a. Um, I ended up using a uh, Navy uh, suitcase, basically. Right. Um, for my case instead, but you know, whatever. Tomato, tomato. Uh, yeah. 
let's, let's call the whole uh, thing let's off. hit this topic let's hit the topic so hard it was sent to us by aaron abubo um and he posted it on our call out for topics on the facebook group let me pull up my screen grab of this thing okay he says what makes a good jam session participant what are the essential skills for playing improvising with people, especially people you don't know or have never played with? I guess you could extrapolate to uh, good member, good band members too. Um, so we had a jam session here at my birthday party that mm-hmm. Aaron was at, and you know, yeah, everyone's heard about it enough uh-huh. already. And so there was literally a, there was a band who who played here, and then after the band played. We all kind of got on my deck and kind of jammed out. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. So I'm wondering if that's where this uh, topic is coming Maybe. from. So what you're saying is Aaron wants to brag about coming to your birthday yeah, party. Yeah, Aaron wants to talk about how wants me to talk about how I invited him to my birthday party. And uh, he hung out with us and drank Coors and played guitar. But we're not going to talk about that. Let's talk about the topic. Yeah. Um, I think... Well, so I've never done like a lot of jam sesh stuff. Um, so I don't really know what it takes to be good at that, but I, I feel like it probably is similar to like the band members thing is just to really like, you need to understand the, the space you're in. Right. Um, it, and I, that's like a, a big band member thing. Like any, it's all about like teamwork. So you can, if you have like seasoned musicians who know how to be in a band together, uh-huh. you can throw like, you know, a dozen seasoned musicians together who know specifically like what their strengths and weaknesses are. Right. And they're going to find like space, like find ways to like share the space. But if you throw like three guys together who don't do that, like it's just going to sound like noise. Right. I think a, a big part of it is anytime you play with, with other people, uh-huh. especially in a jam band setting is you can't show up and be like, Oh, I'm just going to like rip it. Like here's like the thing that I've been working on like just my special part. Right. My special like 20 minute shred solo. Now's my opportunity. Like when you're meeting with people, it's like when dogs meet. Like they're both like cooperating to smell their buttholes at the same time, you uh-huh. know. They're not, you know, doing the most ultimate dog thing like running <laughs> through the 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 field and like catching a frisbee in the air. Like they're like cooperating with each other to to communicate on a certain level right when you jam on the level of butt sniffing yeah it's butt sniffing when you play with other musicians for the first time like you gotta really you gotta be disciplined enough to really pull back and sniff their butts really pay attention to what's going on like pay attention to how the other players are playing and what mm-hmm. they're playing and be sensitive to you know play in a way that complements all that. So yeah. it's actually really kind of tricky, especially if you're someone who's been, you know, just a bedroom player and never played anything. It's, mm-hmm. it's tricky to jump into that. You're going to get lost really quick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've done enough jamming and enough playing in bands that I can jump into new situations and kind of pull back and figure out what's going on and do, debatable. My, do my thing. You don't think so? You think it's debatable? Um, I think I I've been playing at a new church and I it's I think I've been doing well. Do we, do we want to talk about this? Uh, I'll just say that a, a lot of people went indoors when you started playing. Well, I had been drinking, Steve, <laughs> and it was my birthday. It was your birthday, so I didn't. You know, we we mentioned it to Lauren. Like, yeah, it's pretty loud out there. We're trying to keep all the kids inside, and. It's mostly Ryan. <laughs> so that's it actually plays in now. Like you said, like it's your party. You can play as loud as you want to. Well, I probably couldn't um, hear what was going on. I was, like I said, I've been drinking. Um, but but that's definitely one thing with like a jam session is, you know, you never want to be that guy at a jam session where everyone's got like everyone's showing up with, you know, their their small club combos or whatever. And, and you show up with the half stack. That some for some reason only um, wants to be set at at ten. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. I mean, it's 
it's all about compromise and working with with anyone on any kind of project creative or otherwise it's all about compromise yeah you can't be the star of the show you- i compromise my values all the time to make this podcast happen. <laughs> steve has a list of grievances i'm just kidding no, really don't. Um, no um, it's just we're gonna I- get we're gonna get emails from people like are you guys okay <laughs> No, it's just funny when Aaron posted this topic, I was like, I was like, I I thought the same thing that it might have been like inspired by that. Um, but like, I mean, also to be fair, standing out there, uh, there were two amps running uh, when I jumped on with a band. Yeah, there was the the uh, the this deluxe reverb, reissue, uh-huh. right? And then my PV Classic 50, both of them were pointed at our knees, basically. Yeah. So I couldn't, I wasn't getting beamed by my amp, so I didn't know how it compared. No, it was just really funny because you guys played. Um, uh, From where I was standing, I thought I was back further in the mix, honestly. You guys were playing, um, I want to say, what some Ramon song. Right. Well, that was in the jam session and, later. Yeah, yeah. Then that got when, loud. When, so when you jumped in with like the band, like I thought, I thought it was fine. When, oh, okay. Like, you just like jam, were jam with those guys. It was once um, it became like the jam session, and well, also the and, and the other like the it, other amp was pointed like at my neighbor's house, and right. the TV was pointed at all, my house, and also it was also it was the jam slash slash. Hey Ryan, what does that fuzz pedal sound like, Sesh? Yeah, yeah. Um, da- uh, yeah, David Chote brought a modified Ibanez fuzz pedal. Oh, really? I didn't see it. Yeah, it's uh was the, the one of the tone lock fuzzes. <laughs> oh, cool. And it had a modification in it, so he so, wanted me to crank that. Thing. So that thing was uh, whatever was going on. All I know is we were like sitting, you know, on your patio or whatever, and then also we're like, nah. Yeah, it's time to go inside. We're, we're gonna go inside. <laughs> That's fine. It was just kind of funny. Yeah. Um. I mean, realistically, we should have turned those amps around and haven't had them pointed at us. Well, uh, so afterwards, uh, how long did you guys go? Oh, not terribly long. I think we packed up before nine. Oh, really? Okay, because yeah. we were, we were just wondering because Melissa and I left at like seven fifteen or so, and she took a video out front. Was it loud? And you could like hear everything like perfectly wow. out in the out on the street. Well, big props to my neighbors for not calling the cops. Yeah. Well, you got till ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were good. Our neighbors next door, uh, the college kids usually throw louder parties than we ever do. Yeah, I usually find that the the guy who is usually like the hardest person to like figure out. It's actually two two. It goes two directions. Uh-huh. Um, one is is you either have a drummer who like f- plays like very strongly or plays like really loud. Sure. Or you have a drummer that like is a. F- Who's like afraid to play the drums? I feel like I'd rather play with someone who's over the top than someone who's afraid. I can't play with people who are afraid to play. Like, I don't know what to do with them. Right. I just, uh, it's just funny when you like, you because you can guy. tell, you can tell someone who's overconfident to pull it back. Yeah. You can't yeah. tell someone who's underconfident Sometimes. to push it. Right. Uh, and that's what I mean. So it's kind of like, this is going to the band member thing. I find it kind of being that way at like, um, with bass a lot like you have bass players who make like i'm a definitely when i play i definitely probably mix myself high like high in the mix sure um and i know other bass players who don't and um and i have a issue with like i'm always being told to turn down and the question i always ask is do i need to turn down or does everyone else need to turn up good question steve because the thing is is my settings don't really ever change right so that's the problem steve and i'm like so steve you, your settings never change you're always too loud well it's like <laughs> oh you're too loud so i turn down a little bit and they're like all right that's good and then the next oh you're too loud i'm like i was too loud last week and i already turned down right so maybe you just need to turn everyone else up sound guy what right. do you think about that i've never i've never been bothered at a show if the bass is loud i've been in like situations it, where the bass was overbearing but for the most part um I, I feel like it's tough. It doesn't but, really interrupt any other signal, so it's like it doesn't ever... Right. It, it exists by itself kind of at the bottom, and the only other thing that is it really in that frequency range is the kick. Right. 
Yeah, I've never had a big problem with bass being too loud. Too quiet has been a problem. Yeah, well, and, and part of that problem is, is, especially like you think about when we were doing the park gallery. I mean, I just like everything loud, though, is my thing. Right. You, you think about when we were doing the park gallery, like, I don't know what the exact ratios are, but I've heard a lot of guys say that, like, what I, w- what I would was doing with the polytone, like, it was... I've literally had people tell me that what I did with the polytone was like basically impossible or that what I was doing with the acoustic, like those were like impossible scenarios Huh? that there was no way that I could be playing like a three, four, 500 person venue unmiked with a 110 watt bass amp. Oh, with the acoustic, you yeah. definitely can. <laughs> um, I've heard the same thing with the, like, because a polytone was a two by one thirty, Right. So I would put, so basically it's 130 Watts and then I would run both channels at once to get right. a little extra. But um, a solid state power. Yeah. Which, which is even worse. Right. right, right. Which is even worse. Um, but the whole thing was that I think because of like the kind of tone I was trying to get, I wasn't like super concerned with losing like the fundamental. Right. Right. Um, you weren't trying to get, I wasn't trying to clean like low end you were trying to get like a growly bass yeah yeah most guys like are trying to sit probably in the like 40 to 80 hertz range on right. bass if they're trying to get the like the real like boom 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 you know whatever but i definitely uh, for most of my playing out situations um was focused in probably more of like the 80 to 160 hertz range which is a lot easier to power uh-huh it's closer to a guitar signal yeah, yeah, it's definitely like what I was. The sounds I would get were a lot bigger than what you could get with the guitar. Because, oh, of course. But, but uh, they're definitely like I think a lot easy, more easily powered. Um, but yeah, I th- I think space recognition is the big thing. Volume can be a, a big thing. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, know. That sounds like it's a big problem with me. Volume management. Don't don't suck. Don't suck. Know your limitations, I guess. I mean, not sucking, like people think, you know, people might think when you say that, like, oh, you know, you better be really good and you better be able to, like, play all these really good parts. It really just means, like, you can still play it simple, just play to what's being played. You yeah. Know? Like, play, a- play in key, play to the beat, and, you know, play what's appropriate yeah. for the situation. Like, it doesn't mean you have to show up and be this incredible articulate player. I always, um, and I know it's it's not really, I've never tried to sit down and play it. Maybe it's way more complicated, I think. But um, I always think of the guitar riff at the beginning of the, uh, the devil section of Charlie Daniels' band, Devil Went Down to Georgia, uh-huh. which is kind of this funny, like, right. Like, I always think of that as, like, if you aren't like a super proficient like lead player but you know your way around like rhythm chords and like and uh like hand right uh strum pattern manipulation like that's the kind of thing where if like if i was really in like a jam band situation where i was like all right i want to do something cool but i'm not super comfortable like trying to do some like you know some hot licks right right like just throw something kind of funky together like that can really work i mean i think that a big part of being, you know, enjoyable in a jam band situation or any band situation is not showboating. Right. But like finding your groove and finding these interesting things you can do. I mean, you listen to most songs mm-hmm. and they don't have big showboaty parts, especially not anymore. Like it's all about just sitting in the groove and making the song interesting as a whole. Um, I mean, think about like a, Think about the the shaft theme song. The, yeah, you know the guitar part in that that's just like the wah. It's literally like one note, and the guy literally just playing the wah pedal the whole time. And you think, like, oh, that's just so simple. He's just playing this one note, and he's just rocking the wah back and forth. And then you think about it in terms of he held that part down, like, and it's like sixteenth notes, right? And it, it varies a little bit. It goes back and forth. Uh-huh. But he held that part down and committed to it for an entire song. And it's a long song. Yeah. It's a movie theme song. Right. So it's like six minutes long. So right. they can like cut it in and out of the movie and stuff. 
it might even be longer. I don't know. Or shorter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like being able to be focused and commit to your place in the groove. Mm-hmm. And if there does happen to be a place for you to jump in and do something interesting, if you're, if you're jamming and you're, you know, you're just having fun, then go for it. But you got to kind of just hold it down. Well, you know, be a team player. Think about, uh, think about, uh, in back to the future. Right. And Johnny be good. The whole thing well, is I like, guess you guys aren't ready for this yet. Yeah. It starts out with like, all right guys, no, we're not ready for you to play like a dick yet. Yeah, Marty blues, blues jam and B here we go. And like, everyone's like, Oh, this is really cool. And then he decides like, all right, we're going to take this from like Johnny be good. We're going to take this from Chuck Berry to Van Halen. Right. And beyond. And like, everyone's like the, what? Right. And yeah, I think the, the, the way it's presented in the movie is like, oh, you guys just don't know what good guitar playing is yet. Right. But the reality is like uh, Michael J. Fox just completely screwed over this well, and band it's kind and of like, like a, threw a wrench in the gears. Right. And it's kind of actually a throwback to like, is it the opening, basically like the opening scene of the movie? Right, where right. He's got like band auditions and like, it's not terrible, but then all of a sudden he like just goes off the rails. Right, right. So On a crazy train. Yep. Uh yeah it's it's I guess it in the the scene in the terms of the movie it shows like oh he still hasn't you know learned about everything that he needs to fix in his life or you know this is still who this person is or you know whatever deeper message was there maybe it was just a silly thing but yeah that's not the person you want to be at the jam band meetup or the open mic night thing or even right. like trying to play with your regular band. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been that guy. Steve can say that. I've been that guy. Steve, you've been that guy. Mm, We've all been debatable. that guy. Steve debates that. We've all like gone out there and, and played in ways that weren't appropriate for the scenario at certain t- times. But that's, you know, the opposite of that is really what it comes down to if you want to be a functional part of a band and have people want to play with you mm-hmm. is, you know, you got to, you have to take everything that you learn about playing guitar, like learn it all, learn every scale, learn how to shred up and down the neck, and then just throw it all out the window and learn how to play just the groove. You know, if you want to make songs that people want to listen to and make music that people want to play with you, because mm-hmm. there's other people in the band. Yeah, there are. <laughs> you got to give everyone a solo, even the drummer. Right, right. And then you're like, a... you know who never gets a solo? Who? The bass player. Bass players get solos. Whenever I'm involved in like playing situations where it's like, all right. Oh, so you're saying that you never get a I solo? Never gonna, maybe it's just me. <laughs> I've been, I've been in like, like pose, like we do, like I've been in situations where it's like, all right, like yeah, we practice is over. Let's all just like jam this thing out, and like, all right, first guitars. Yeah, look at the solo I got. Second, oh look at the solo. I got. We used to throw you solos. Drummer, drummer we used to throw you solos in YFB. In YFB, I did. Yeah, that's true. I did, but we were only a three piece, so you didn't really have a lot of options. Right. We got tired of listening to people, you solo all the time. People would have really noticed if if I got a solo and Adam got a solo and you didn't get a solo. Maybe I don't know. Probably, <laughs> probably not. But it was also part of one of our songs. That's true. That's that we true. had a big like everyone gets a solo part. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Um. I think we're good. Yeah, let's try. I smashed this into the ground. Oh, we smashed this topic so hard. This topic's never going to come back to haunt us. We covered everything that needs to be said about it. Um, We had deep insight that no one else could have on their own. Uh, None of these things are true. We're just two dudes talking. So do we want to thank the sponsors again? Yeah, let's thank our sponsors. They are Barefoot Buttons, barefootbuttons.com. Oh, and by the way, did I mention they're the Barefoot Buttons of buttons? They are? And apparently I don't say the word buttons right. But tons. But tons? Barefoot butt tons. I don't know about that. I don't know. Apparently, but that's the way tons. you're supposed to say it. Apparently, I, say, apparently I eliminate the O's. Or buttons. The, apparently, I eliminate the T's, and I say buttons. 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 No T's. I know what you're talking about when you say it. I don't know. Buttons. I don't know. I, I dropped what else too, would it be? I dropped too many T's. Buttons. 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 Anyway, so thanks, Barefoot Buttons. They've been a big supporter of us for a while. We really appreciate them. Uh-huh. And also, thanks to StringJoy. Uh, check out StringJoy.com if you're looking for a specialized set of strings. If you're just looking for a high-quality string uh, that you can just order online, if you want to talk to a guy who knows a lot about strings, shoot an email to scott at stringjoy.com. Yep, he'll figure he out. he says he will help you out. He'll figure out your ideal balance set for your special, specific guitar 
like he's doing right now. He's helping me figure out a special set for my Hallmark Swiftwing. Yep. Because it is a special, unique guitar, and it has special needs, mm-hmm. and it deserves whatever it wants. All right, guys. Uh, Tell us about the song, let's Steve. Let's talk about the song. The song was sent to us by Evan Pack. First thing, Evan wanted to let everyone know, first of all, let us know that in episode 110, we made the joke that KSL was the Mormon Craigslist, which it's not. KSL is just a classified service. Uh, we kind of made that joke because we thought Cole Duke was the only one who used it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's it's just it's KSL.com, which is like a local media, and they do a classified list that is really popular in the northern Utah, southern Idaho area. Huh. So um, yeah, any jokes that were made were kind of, I guess, I guess when we're kind of on our end or at least on my end, we're kind of like directed specifically at Cole because he made the submission. Well, it sounds like you're just a big Uh, jerk, Steve. Probably. And so I get, sometimes, you know, you make a joke and you, it's kind of an inside joke and you don't realize that like people who aren't on the inside might hear it. So definitely like, yeah, KSL is a whole different thing. It's not just Mormon Craigslist. Not everyone in Utah is a Mormon. Right. uh, Despite the fact that like, that is the the running joke, but it really isn't a joke. Like, there's all kinds of people in Utah. Right. Um, so anyway, he sent this song. Mormons uh, and Latter-day Saints. Oh, my gosh. There you go. <laughs> uh, he's in a band called Indigo Plateau. Uh, they're from Salt Lake City in Portland. They all live in Salt Lake City. Um, he's using a Big Muff clone that he built as well as a Boss DD500 for the intro noise and the outro delay. The song is called History Cutlass. I uh, listened to it. It's really cool. So I hope you guys enjoy it too. And thanks again, Evan, for uh, sending it in and setting us straight. Yep. Yep. 